you're ready to maximize your free time, deal less with the stresses of the day, and really get on with savoring every minute of your life after your career, then you're in the right place. Great ideas, tips, and inspiration to help make your life after all that work stuff richer, fuller, and more of what you want. This is Smart Retirement Life. Hi, this is Mark Hager, and you're listening to Smart Retirement Life, a show where we talk about ideas, products, people, and more to help keep you inspired as you continue to create the life that you want. Now today I'm thrilled to be joined by Leonard Baer, an attorney whose practice focuses on elder law, specifically protecting seniors and their families from financial fraud and abuse. As a practicing attorney, he has been selected for inclusion in the Bar Register of Preeminent Lawyers, a registry of the top 5% of all attorneys practicing in the United States, as well as one of North Carolina's top-rated lawyers. He has given talks to various groups across the country on financial abuse of the elderly and has testified before the Senate Subcommittee on Aging in Washington, D.C. And Mr. Bayer is a biweekly columnist for the Highlander, the Crossroads Chronicle, and the Clayton Tribune newspapers and writes a biweekly syndicated blog called As, you See, As I See It right here on agingplace.com. Now, Mr. Bayer practices in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, New York, Washington, D.C. Hi, Lenny, and thanks so much for joining me today. Mark, hi, and uh, thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to talking with you. You know, I am, was really excited that you agreed to come on the show. I'm super stoked to have you here with us. I know we've had the opportunity to talk on the phone before and email back and forth quite a bit, but nothing takes place of a good conversation. Now, I know that listeners don't have my perspective since they've never talked with you before, but folks, I want to tell you, you don't run into people that are so passionate about what they do every day. And Lenny, you're definitely one of those people. He just has a real heart to serve and really cares about the families and individuals that he works with. He's had an incredible career already, but from my perspective, he's moving into an ever even better part of his service and purpose in his life. Now, Lenny, why don't you tell us about your work? Well, Mark, first of all, that was a very nice introduction. The As you indicated before, I am an elder law attorney, and elder law attorneys' practices focus primarily on issues dealing with estate planning, retirement planning, issues with nursing home, nursing home abuses, Medicare, Medicaid. There's a, a variety of things. And then there's a subset that... I really have found myself involved in over the past probably seven or eight years, which is trying to protect families, uh, trying to protect seniors from elder fraud, whether it be what we call exterior elder elder fraud, which is the scams, or interior elder fraud, which basically comes as a result of families or not families, but caregiving or people in a family that are in some way abusing an elder. And this is, as you say, I, I am passionate about this, uh, which probably dates back to an earlier time when uh, I was involved at the United States Attorney's Office. Uh, I was involved as the major crimes deputy chief, and I prosecuted boiler room scams, which, as you may remember, in the 80s and 90s was uh, the equivalent in terms of the amount of fraud to what we now have on the internet. And I remember that the people that I prosecuted, the the salespeople, and I put that in, in air quotes, uh, 
the salespeople just had no remorse about what they were doing. And as I may have said one time before, when asked and when I was questioning one, that individual said to me, if I leave one dime of my VIX money on the table, I haven't done my job. And I, it rang with me, continues to ring with me. But that's the, the, the passionate part is I don't want to see someone fraudulently abused. Right. Well, I know that just, you know, reading the news uh, online and, and listening to the news on TV, you see elder fraud I mean, it's just, and scamming has just become so rampant in our society. Um, and, and a person doesn't really know what they should do, right? I mean, you don't, it, whether it's happened to you or not, or you, you're worried about a family member, it's just, it's overwhelming to think about all the different ways that somebody you care about could get taken advantage of. Well, I, I think that's very. I think that's very true. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. I just. No, go ahead. It is very true. It is very true. Uh, it's an emotional crisis that I've found that takes place when a family member, a senior, uh, someone is scammed in whatever way they are scammed. It generally involves the whole family at some point in time, and there's an emotional crisis that takes place. And as you said a few minutes ago, it's an epidemic now. We're talking about a $5 billion a year industry just in the United States. Wow, so you're kidding. It's, it's, it's an epidemic. And because you have an unlimited number of prospective victims, I mean, we are talking about in terms of elderly or a population that's moving toward a senior population, we have people that are turning 10,000 people turning 65 every day for the next 15 to 18 years. You're, you have an unlimited victim pool with very sophisticated means to scam them, with very sophisticated people on the other end who know how to scam, know what to say, how to say it, and what touches buttons. Well, you know, uh, I've probably told you this before, but I've had someone in my family who, that I, just one person that I know of, but at least one, uh, who is older and who had, uh, who was scammed. Uh, it was rough. Not just the money, right? Because, you know, she's on a fixed income, but it was really tough because, you know, the first thing, uh, as a family member, you're like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Once you get beyond the shock of, you know, a bunch of money being lost, but what does this mean in terms of this person, right, and their ability to continue to function in their life? It, it, are they slipping or, you know, uh, do I need to step in? I mean, there's just so many questions that you go through, and you're right, it is very emotionally draining, and it's hard to know which direction that you should turn. So uh, before we get into specifics about, you know, steps you should take and, and stuff like that, there's one thing I really I, I really want to make sure we cover, and that is, you know, you said you spent time in the uh, working in the U.S. Attorney's Office, and you and you worked with these boiler room scams. Well, what happened in your career? 
that made you want to focus on just this? I think that when you, <clears throat> it's like anything else, sometimes when you see something many years ago, it, it sticks with you. And uh, maybe when I was doing this, because I was younger, uh, it stuck with me. But maybe at that point in my life, it, it, it I wasn't seeing it on a regular basis. And as we all know, right. the definite is we get older. And when we get older, our friends get older. And when our friends are getting older, other people are getting older. And then all of a sudden, I started to see this again. I started to see it recurring with some of my friends, uh, with people that would call on me. And it just became something that kind of reared itself back up. It kind of lit the fuse again that I'm, I'm back into this fight. Uh, I, I had a fight when I was a prosecutor. I was representing the people of the United States, or when I was a state attorney, I was representing the people of the state of Florida. Um, all of a sudden, that kind of that cause again came up. I, I saw, as you had just mentioned, in your own family. I just, you see the devastation, and you see this, so many ways that this is affecting a family. That oh, yeah. if there isn't any, if there's not, if there's not some kind of advocacy here, then it, it just doesn't go away. Those people are are scarred. Those people don't get better, for want of a, a better word, and. And it just it just came back all of a sudden. Something sparked it. Really, in my life, what sparked it was a, a client who then became a friend who uh, I saw go through a very very tough situation, and it kind of lit that fuse again. Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. My next question was going to be, why don't you tell us about someone that you've helped in this capacity? Obviously. You can leave out names or anything that would identify them. But tell us a story about how you've been able to help someone get through uh, a case of elder fraud or, or get through being taken advantage of in some way. Well, this it probably is an appropriate time because what started was someone involved in what's called the IRS scam. And again, it's, it's probably topical now. I've written about it, and, and of course, we're in the season of preparing for we are in tax preparing season right now, but about eight or nine years ago, I got a call from the client, and uh, I'll just call the client Jack, and, and Jack called me, must have been about 11.30 at night, and he was hyperventilating. He was between crying and hyperventilating. He had told me that uh, he had just come out from being with some friends, and Jack at this point in his life was a widower, so he was alone. And he had just come back from a party, and on his recording on his telephone, uh, there was a message that he owed uh, a little over $3,800 in taxes, and if he didn't pay this immediately, uh, the federal authorities were going to be called, and he was going to be arrested for tax fraud. And oh. this is, again, the circumstances are that he was eight months a widower, going through some very tough times. His family was not living close to him. And he was just starting to emotionally come back from the shock of losing his wife. Mm -hmm. And all he kept saying on the phone was, 
am I going to go to jail? I can't go to jail, and I don't have this money. Uh, I said to him, listen, Jack, I don't want you to worry about this. I am going to handle this. What are you going to do, Mr. Bear? I'm going to handle it. I said, you do not have to worry about it. I will call you in the morning, and I will take care of this thing for you. And then, uh, again, he said, gee, am I going to have to go to jail? And he said, "The the I, I don't think my family could bear this. We hung up, and of course, I knew what exactly had happened. About 8.30 or 9 o'clock the next morning, I called him, and he said, Mr. Bear, Lenny, is this you? I said, yes, Jack. And he said, am I going to go to jail? And I said, absolutely not. You don't owe anything. This whole thing was a scam meant to frighten you and to make you do something that you did not need to do. And you could just hear on the other end this this relief. I couldn't certainly see him, but I could feel his body kind of unstressing or de-stressing. Oh, yeah. And, it, and what was interesting is I don't think he quite got it, except his last words to me in that phone call were, so I don't have to go to jail. Wow. This really, it kind of angered me. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I knew him. Like I said, he was becoming more of a, a friend while still a client. But I said to myself, how many people are getting the same phone call? How many people are reaching out? But then how many people are sitting all night listening to a phone conversation probably over and over again that they're going to go to jail? And what has this done to them or what is this doing to them? How are they going to recognize what it truly is? How embarrassed are they going to even talk about it with anybody? So I think if if you if I look at that pivotal point, that's the pivotal point. Wow. Well, you know, that's actually a, a good segue into, uh, you know, these families who who get those kind of calls from a parent or have those conversations with a parent or discover that somebody has taken advantage of an older parent. And then, you know, once that shock wears off, right, there's lots of emotion involved in that and and uh, indecision, right, not sure what to do. But what should these people do? Well, I'll tell you one thing in the beginning that they shouldn't do and one thing they should not do is Im- – become so emotional with their parent to make their parent feel like they were three years old. Because I think sometimes the the children become very reactive. Uh, They're mad, they're upset, they're worried. And what ends up happening, though, is the focal point of that rage focuses on their parent. Mm -hmm. That's the worst situation and the worst combination of things that can happen. It's hard to diffuse that, even if the child says later or the whomever the relative is like, gee, mom or dad or, or grandpa, I'm sorry I said that. You know, it's like the Internet. <clears throat> Once it's out there, it's out there. <clears throat> Excuse oh, yeah. me. 
And so, you know, that's, that's especially true, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's especially true if, you know, there's not any warning signs, right? Because that, a lot that's of exactly there's, right. so many, there's so many caregivers ready in the United States right now, um, millions and millions and millions. And, and a lot of these folks, they've had indicators, right, that, that maybe mom or dad is not quite like they used to be. Forgetting things, whatever, you know, or or misplacing things or, or not even being able to make a good decision here or there or wh whatever the case may be, there's these indicators. But for, you know, for the millions and millions of other people who ne who have never displayed that, right, it's a shock. Well, it is a, it is a shock. It, it's something they haven't seen before. You know, when you premise your life that your parent, your father and mother, <clears throat> are the these are the people you've respected these are the people that you've honored these are the people that you want to in many cases uh, you want to follow and be like them when when this happens uh, it it kind of tests all the things that you grew up with and, and think about but again the issue here is not to make the parents not to make the senior the focal point of that the things that right. you can do because now this is the first sign or an indication that maybe there's a problem is you start to check uh, with the parent about uh, let's say their checking account or, or some of the bills you start to look for signs that there may be some diminishment there may be some type of of issues but you again, if there's one thing that I, I ask my the the family members, who generally are the people that call me first, is to try to lower the emotional level. Try not to make the parent feel diminished, less than, uh, babied, someone that's being taken over. That's really the 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 first things that need to be done. Then, of course when you're aware of this, then you have to take a proactive action. You have to take some some act actions to see what is really happening. You start to look at the parent, your, your mother or father's house or your grandpa's house and are things kept in order? Are things put away? Are bills piling up, piling up? Are newspapers? I mean, there are, interestingly, the the evidence of these problems are generally not disguised. Uh, right. You walk into someone's home. When I walk into a client with the family's home, and I see the thing, it's it's easy to see that there are issues. Then the next step is how are we going to deal with these issues? How are we going to help the senior? What are we going to do? How are we going to make that make that person still feel important, important to themselves? But yet, how can we help and prevent this problem? I mean, it becomes a almost kind of a uh, not only a legal issue because many times there are, are legal channels that we can focus on, but it's an emotional, psychological issue, and that's and, really. And... Go ahead. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. Go on. Mark. I was just going to say that um, you know, and and. The truth is, is there's so much gray area there, right? Just because someone fell for a scam 
doesn't mean they're, you know, in the first stages of dementia, right, or they need constant supervision. It can, I mean, let's be really truthful about it. Anybody can be scammed. It's not just old folks. That just happens to be the people that we're talking about, right? I mean, it's not anybody can do that. And, Look at these. And, you're dealing with you're dealing with some very high level salespeople using oh, yeah. some very very sophisticated tools to find them out. And to answer your question, absolutely not. Uh, scams. Uh, can be put over on people in their 30s and 40s and 50s. And that's not unusual. can even be against someone in their 20s. I think that what becomes problematic is that seniors fall into a situation which makes them prone to answering the phones from people they don't know, looking at something on the Internet, and they don't know what it is, and they'll follow through. Uh, some seniors are on various type of chat rooms or even dating sites. I think it's 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 it isn't a question of being how old you are, but I think it's simply the focus of scammers seems to be on people of a particular age. And believe it or not, there's information out there that is available to the scammers knowing the market that they're contacting, knowing the the age of the people. You would be surprised how much material is available uh, illegally out there that puts people on lists to be phoned, that to be called. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Wow. It's just a very, sophist- just a very sophisticated business and the other side to this is that generally, not always, but generally, uh, many seniors are in an emotional part of their life where they're more prone, maybe, to answering a phone or answering an ad than someone who is 40 years old. Uh, that doesn't mean it, it's that it happens there again. It happens to anybody at any age. It's just the group that I deal with would be an ideal group for scammers to be involved with simply because out of 10 people, maybe four or five of those people are suffering from not dementia, but some emotional imbalance in their life. Uh, a, a partner or a wife or a husband is is sick. Uh, a child may be going through something. A grandchild may be going through something. Their emotional stability may not be as good as it used to be, and maybe that their ability to integrate with other people is not as great so that they don't have the opportunity to talk about this to friends like maybe they did when they were 30 or 40. Wow. Bless your heart, Lenny. I tell you, I'm so glad there's people out there like you that are oh, I appreciate out there that. folks. I'm, I just breaks my heart to even think about this stuff. Um, so... To get back where we were, let's say that, you know, uh, this happened and somebody's been scammed and, you know, a daughter or or son has come in and and they've done some checking, kind of figured out what's happened. Maybe it was a scam phone call or they, you know, gave out a bunch of money or whatever. At what point should they contact uh, 
an attorney like you? I mean, what, I think what that, should their steps uh, be? I, I think that at, at that point where they start to see some things happening, when they when they see that uh, there has been money depleted from their parents' checking or savings account or uh, whatever type of investment account. So I think at that point in time uh, is the time when I, I generally find myself getting called in because the child, and, and I'll just use it in the, in the scenario of a child and his parent, the child has now seen that money has gone, so obviously money has either been stolen uh, or their parent is giving it away. And at that point in time is generally when I have gotten calls the family uh, want me to become involved. Uh, many times, uh, I'll actually meet with the family either at my office or in some cases, especially when I'm in my office in North Carolina, which is in a smaller area, I'll actually go to the homes of the parents with the children. We'll talk about the situation. I want to see exactly what they have found, uh, whether this is something on a constant basis, there's a right. a point there's a point where I start making recommendations that we may need to get the police involved. I want a police report um, because my background comes out of law enforcement. I feel very comfortable talking to the police, talking to the district attorney's office or state attorney's office in the case in North Carolina or in a few cases in North Carolina have uh, talked to the FBI. At, so at, at a point where they see an issue that they can't merely solve as being, <clears throat> well, mom is just slipping a little bit, but nothing really has taken place versus there's something substantial going on. We know it. We see it. We feel it. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the quacking of the duck situation. When you feel it or hear it and think it's really there, that's the time that I'm generally called in. And uh, right. it's not also being called unnecessarily to fix the problem, but it's to prevent further problems, to try to come up with some type of solution, if necessary, to call the police, if necessary, to change phone numbers, to put people on do not call lists. There are several things that can be done, uh, even to engage the children with the Department of Senior Services so that there's some monitoring going on. But right. again, the, the, so, the kids kind of sense when there's more oh, yeah. going on than simply uh, a slippage. There's going well, to be slippage. Beyond being a voice of comfort and reason, right, and and someone they can lean on during that time, which, you know, in terms of uh, – fraud of any kind or any type of illegal activity like that, you know, having an attorney there, that's always a good thing. But even in this particular case, right, where you're someone and your colleagues throughout the United States are people who specialize in working with older folks, and you're bringing to the table um, additional skill sets, right, additional knowledge that may be a... Um, you know, a general attorney might not have. And well, that's what I and that that is what I've found actually. I, I uh, because I do a lot of writing now, because I've done a tremendous amount of public speaking on the issues. 
I will get calls from other attorneys, and it's sometimes it's not even in a jurisdiction that I practice in, but mm-hmm. it's in a jurisdiction saying, can I run something by you? Uh, what yeah. would you think I should do here? So, you know, it's it's being available, knowing that the resource exists, and as you just said a few moments ago, I think I think what a family needs to have is a a, a set a, a calmness right. taking yeah. place amidst this terrible emotional confusion. They need to see someone coming in that they feel that they can put the problem on, take it off their table, take it on, and come up with a solution. Doesn't mean I'm always going to come up with every solution, but at least at the moment, uh, the idea behind it is to at least put forward a sense of calmness, because that is, again, and not to be redundant, but that, again, what I see here is this emotional reactivity by children that they have to put their parent now in a nursing home, they have to take over writing all the bills, they have to, all of a sudden, the the, the parent becomes the baby because this in terms, this to the child becomes the easiest solution. And right. it's not the right solution. Sometimes it is, in most times it's not the right solution. So if there's a, a third party that may be a little bit more objective and has seen right. or done this before. Mm-hmm. And lend some support. Because, I mean, sometimes, like you said, they they just need somebody to stand in the gap, right, to, to hold that's that exactly what they want. for a little while. They just, they just want to feel that they're not alone. And sometimes that's, that's also what you see with the parents, uh, not the parents, but the children of the parents, that you see that they start to fall into this emotional hole that they believe they're the only ones this has happened to. And, oh, my gosh, now, what's happening to dad or mom? Uh, what are we going to do? I mean, it's a total family dynamics that takes place here. The the hurt uh, is overwhelming. And, again, it kind of lit that fuse when I talked to one of these salespeople in the boiler rooms. Uh, somebody on the other end is out to take them for every dime, and the emotional devastation is of no interest to them. This is how these scammers make their money. Hmm. Well, you know, we've talked a bunch uh, already about the issues and and what families can do if it happens to them. And I don't I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I would like to also talk a little bit, conversely to what do you do once it's happened, and flip that over and say what can you do to to keep it from happening. You know, I, I, certainly it's 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 difficult. It's like telling someone, how do you prevent a robbery from taking place? Yeah. You know, sometimes things are <laughs> oh, sometimes yeah. uh, you know sometimes you're in a parking lot and that happens. But like the other thing is being proactive. How do you prevent people from breaking in and taking your belongings? Well, you put up an alarm system in your house. You lock your doors at night. What you do with parents um, is be in a regular relationship or be in a in communication. Listen for things. Um, when you visit, look for things, uh, and ask ask in a very uh, kind of low, unemotional tone. Are there any things, mom or dad, you would like me to do? <clears throat> Can I help you with something? Be aware. And what I tell my the, the the family on a regular basis is, be aware of these things when you are out 
and it doesn't even happen to you. You can be aware and not even have it happen to your own family. Be aware of other people you meet. If you go to church, you go to synagogue, you go to a mosque, wherever you go and worship. Start to look at various things, people that you know, older people. Are there, you know, are there changes taking place? Uh, I've done a lot of work with and a lot of public speaking before doctors and their staffs. And interestingly, doctors are almost one of the first group of people that notice when there is elder fraud taking place because they'll start to see things with a client, with a patient that are a little bit out of the ordinary. They'll see a caregiver possibly come in and that caregiver may be a relative or a third party who's not related, but taking over the conversation and, and talking about medications and talking about various things. And some of the trainings that I've done for physicians have to be, it's basically being alert for certain things. Uh, people in business being alert for some changes taking place, being banks, looking at their clients, looking at the people that come in and do banking. There are things that are out there. It's like everything else. You know, if you if you are being more aware of what's going out there rather than being aware unaware of everything, you're going to start to see things. And as I oh, mentioned yeah. before, going into a parent's house and seeing a disheveled condition of the parent or newspapers piling up, you would be surprised when you start to look at things, what you're going to notice. And that's what I try to get across in, in some of the speaking engagements that I have. If you look out there, you're going to find some things. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. That doesn't mean that there's a problem. But it means that there should be some kind of a follow-up. If you see it in a church, talk to the to the pastor or talk to the rabbi or whomever. Uh, if it's a business situation and you're working in a bank, talk to a supervisor. Uh, mm -hmm. There are signs. There are right. signs. It's well, just being it, more aware. In terms of, uh, you know, let a lot of the people that listen to this show, right, they're in their late 50s, maybe mid-60s and beyond. Uh, maybe they're not dealing with the parents. Maybe they want to help protect themselves, right, to to make sure that they don't get taken advantage of either through these, you know, phone scams or Internet scams. What are what are some things they can do to protect themselves? First of all, you know, I tell, I tell groups that are of that particular age, number one, you get yourself on a do not call list. I mean, that, that is very, very important. Um, most everyone has caller IDs. I am sure there are still people out there that have phones plugged into the wall, but, the, but most of the people have caller ID. If you don't recognize the caller, you don't pick up the phone call. Uh, right. That's number one. Number two, when you're on the Internet, if you don't know the site you're on, you don't go to it. Um, banks, as I tell people, because they, that's become a very prolific area of scamming where you will see a bank, and you it may be even the bank that you bank in, saying, go to this site, we're updating our information. I tell clients, if there's an issue that you think is your bank, then call your bank. You don't do anything online. I'm very, right. very, you know, it, it, probably sometimes uh, the the Internet issues that are innocuous. But I tell clients, frankly, I do not respond and I don't want you to respond to anything that asks for any information. 
updated information. If Google calls you or AOL writes you um, or Gmail writes you and say, we are updating our account, you don't respond. It's simply do not respond. Do not respond on the phone. Do not respond online. That's the major, major thing. If you if you got people to focus on those two uh, issues, I would imagine you would cut down on a great deal of fraud. But people people see a bank that says uh, that we that there's been a problem with your bank account. They'll go to it. They'll go to the site. They're hacked. They're on lists. You're on a list forever. And that's another thing I tell my clients, unfortunately. Once you're on a list, once you're on a scam list, once you've picked up or you've uh, answered a phone call, you're on a list. That list can be resold 10 times, but you're on a list. And you want to stay off that list. Very, very good advice. Thank you so much for that. So... In terms of what you've got coming down the pike, uh, what's going to be happening with you in the next, you know, six months to a year that you're excited about? Well, I think I'm excited about um, the amount of speaking that I'm doing. It it seems that uh, between people reading my articles and the newspaper reading my articles on blogs, uh, uh, heard me talk before, word of mouth gets around, and then I think what what happens is that uh, what I'm finding is that a lot of different sources are calling me to speak about these issues. Uh, it's also led to uh, some very companies have asked me to come in and do two or three hour training sessions with their employees. Uh, so I, I think what excites me is that there is an interest in trying to prevent this, number one, and the recognition that this is a problem not just for someone else's family, but it's a problem that comes into our own business office. And as I tell businesses, um, the reason a business should be interested, the reason a doctor should be interested, uh, a realtor or a banker is because, frankly, the practical matter is at some point in time, you may become liable somehow as being facilitating the fraud. If someone keeps coming into a bank and cashing checks or comes in with someone and that someone looks suspicious and you continue to cash checks and you may be facilitating part of this fraud um, and could become personally liable or could become financially liable. It behooves the business. If they only looked at it from the standpoint of money that they could save by not having to pay out in lawsuits, it's let's get some training. Let's start to understand this problem that is a problem could extend to our business, could become part of a problem in our business. We don't want a problem in our business. So in the picture here that I'm excited about is a recognition that this is not a problem that happens to someone else's mom and dad, but it's a problem that could happen in our own business. We better be aware of it. We better know what to do, who to call, and what actions we need to take. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, all that, and including um, just from a perspective of the level of service that you're providing, not just to your individual customers, but to your community at large, that you're aware and you're helping care 
for the people that maybe your customers are caring for or the, or the people who are your customers. You're helping their families by keeping an eye out for things like that. And it's, you know, that says a lot about a company and definitely it it speaks to the character of the people who, who run an establishment to have that level of commitment to the people. They it run. is, and I'm seeing that. And I'm seeing that more and more, and that obviously gives me a good feeling that the message is getting through. They see it as a problem, not only a problem that can affect them financially, but they see it as a problem out there. And yes, we'd like to step in and help it. We don't want to see someone taken advantage of. It's, it's no different than seeing someone being muscled or robbed in a parking lot. Uh, if you're unable to help them physically, you call 911. We don't just walk away. We don't just drive away. We take some action, and that's what I try to get across to businesses, and, they, and they've and they understood it. We can take some action to help, and they're willing to do that. And that's a very gratifying thing because uh, uh, when you see the, when you see people not directly involved with some of this fraud and scam getting involved and thinking that it's important, well, then that it kind of makes my job it to feel good for what I do. Exactly. Well, obviously you don't practice in every state, right? How can how can people get a lawyer like you on their team? Well I think that uh there are a lot of elder law attorneys that uh that have at least a, a certain amount of knowledge in this particular area. Uh, I'm not saying I'm the only one in the country that does this. There are probably many. I think the first thing that that if there is a problem like this is basically go to some search site that is authentic for someone who practices elder law attorney. As an elder law attorney, you go to their website, you make a phone call, and you talk about these issues and ask questions and see whether or not the people you're talking to really have an understanding of that. Um, I think I lean toward that because of a law enforcement background. That probably makes me a little bit different than some of the elder law attorneys out there practicing that don't have this. But it doesn't mean they don't have the knowledge to at least take the first steps. It's a question of getting on the phone and asking questions of an elder law attorney or, frankly, any attorney, you're going to want to know what these folks know about the area, what they've done in the area. It's just part of their practice. You get a feel for it. There are people that do this out there, and I am sure there are some very, very capable people that can practice in various states. Excellent. Well, Lenny, before we get out of here, uh, why don't you tell folks how they can learn more about your work and get in touch with you? I think the uh, if they go to my website, uh, they'll find out a little bit more about me, and I'll give you that now. It's www.legalbear, which is L-E-G-A-L-B as in boy, A-E-R, bear being my last, last name, .com. And on that site, it also gives my email address. It also gives my phone numbers. And it doesn't matter where they're located because I certainly will answer calls. I'll try to help people even if they they call me in states I don't practice in. Uh, if they need recommendations to find a lawyer in a different state, I'll even I'll help them with that too. I, this is something I'm I will definitely help people. They just have to reach out to me even if they have a simple question. Excellent. 
Well, Lenny, I just want to thank you again for being with us today. This has been fascinating and very full of information. Uh, I know that people are going to get a lot out of it. And um, I'm so thankful that you took the time to talk with us. I am glad to do that. I enjoyed the conversation. And uh, thank you, Mark. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Straight from a lawyer. Get yourself and your life in order. Uh, do this for yourself and your family, and make sure to be aware of things that are happening either in your own life or in the lives of, uh, of a loved one, your parent or a grandparent. Just keep an eye out to make sure that there's nothing going awry where, where they may be getting taken advantage of. If, again, like Lenny said, if you'd like to learn more, you can visit his website at uh, www.legalbear.com. That's legalbaer.com. I'll include links uh, to his website uh, in this post. And until next time, this is Mark Hager, and you've been listening to Smart Retirement Life. All right, well, that was awesome. I'm glad I I'm glad I'm glad we had a redo and I'm glad it worked out as well as it did. Yeah, it was really good. Um I'm glad I brought up the proactive stuff. I didn't do that last time and I think that's an important, you know, additional point of addition. Yeah, I think that is too, and it, that becomes really the focal point of it. When I do public speaking, I mean obviously what people want to know is how do they protect themselves just like anything else. How can I protect themselves? Uh, against a robbery, against a burglary, how did I protect myself against fraud? And I think what you pointing out various things to be on the lookout will help a lot of people too. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, get this audio processed, and I will shoot you over some links. I'll check it tonight and just oh. shoot you a link and say, "Hey, we're good," just so you don't have to worry about it. Um, That'd be great. But I'll get it processed, and we'll get it posted. And I'll send you an email with links to it that you can share. And we'll share this just like I do everything else over the next 30 days once we get it published. And hopefully we'll get some get something good for you out of it. I, I appreciate you taking the time. No problem. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. All right. We well, have a great day, Lenny. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. 